now recording live. Welcome to the lecture series number two, The Magnitude of Gratitude. I'm your host, Reb T. This share is brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment and Daily Dose of Divinity. If you're joining us on Google Meet, we have the source sheet up for you. If you want the sources after, shoot me an email at tinygutterman at gmail.com. We'll send it over. Again, we're recording it. We're going to put it up on Sheer Enjoyment, God willing, afterwards. The shir is dedicated for the refuah shalem of Sarah Odo Baschan Alea and for the refuah shalem of all those sick with coronavirus or other ailments. May they have a speedy refuah shalem of Bekarov. Amen. Amen. As well as for the Eloi Neshama Eloi Nishmas Menucha Alea Bas Rav Moshe Pesach Svi, whose yard site was just on the last day of Pesach. Again, we love Safari.org. It's a wonderful website, a very amazing way to find the sources to bring them together and the different topics that we're going to try to go about each time a different topic. Safari.org is fantastic. So way back when, when my wife and I were dating all those years ago, interestingly, one of the first topics that came up was that of the shared value of Hakara Satov, gratitude, recognizing the good and thanking people. This, to me, really to both of us, was a fundamental core value that is so lacking in society and in so many people. The pleases and the thank yous is not really seen in the society at large. It's so lacking in the modern era, it can boggle the mind, especially amongst all those children. You could read along with me if you want as well, or you could just listen. Anyone that helps you ever should be thanked. Anyone that can do anything for you should be and always could be and really should be thanked. It's fundamental core to our being. We're called Yehudim. We're not called Reuvenites. We're not called Shimonites. We're not called Zevulonites. We're called Yehudim because the root of the word Yehud, the root of the word Yehudim is Hod, which means thanks. To be a Jew is to be someone that is thankful. To be a Jew is to be someone that always has gratitude and thanks on their lip. Because no matter what happens to you, anything that's done to help you in this world, whether it be the garbage man, whether it be a barista, someone mopping the floor for you, all is to help you, all is to do things that make life a little easier for you. As the Gemara mentions, Bishvili Nivra Olam, we should say, for me, for my sake, the world was created. So everything that's done is to help us, to, for us to benefit in some way. And all those people should be thanked. All those people should be acknowledged. There's a wonderful idea going around our neighborhood, at least. People put up signs, thank you to the mailman, thank you to the sanitation workers. We might not be able to see you in person. We not, might not be able to see you physically, but we really appreciate everything you do. Interestingly, we just found out this week, Hashkacha, that our oldest son's school is doing Gratitude Week this week. And is that a coincidence? I think not. No such thing as coincidence under the sun. Everything is always orchestrated by Hashem. Pure Hashkacha practice that they're doing that. It's really a good idea for schools and families to keep this in mind, to keep activities and tasks related to the theme, related to the idea of thanking people, thanking those mammon, thanking the garbage man, thinking about giving money to hospital workers, giving to people, gifting to soldiers who protect us. I know we did this in high school. They thought about it in college and, and beyond. Anyone that helps us, those people that sorely need the help, that sorely need the thinkers, they're on the front lines, those battling corona. You know, Google has even picked up on this. They've been doing doodles to help to help recognize, acknowledge, and be grateful to the teachers, grateful to the healthcare workers who are on the front lines who are not able to stay home and be quarantined because they have to help everybody out. So the school picked up on it. 
we should pick up on it also. And kids need to see us do it. When kids see us do it, that's how the kids can learn. That's how they understand what's really important. When kids see things, that's how they learn. Don't say, do as I say. Really, it's do as I do. Kids learn from actions. Kids learn from what we do more than what we say. If kids see the actions, they see the Hakarda Tov model behavior, they see the words we do, then they will learn for it. For example, when we get groceries and we say thank you, my oldest, my five-year-old also says thank you and brings in all of the items as he sees I do one by one. He's grateful we have the items. I'm grateful we have the items. I bring him in and he brings them in and he wants to help. If we make it into a game, if we make it playful, and we say, how many workers can you say thank you to before me? How many people can you think that we could say thank you to? Who are all the people that help us? How many people come and bring us stuff and help us out? How many restaurants and how many whatnot help us out? Then they'll want to do so even more. It also brings to mind that we should be grateful and gratuitous. We're going to make up that word tonight. Of all the people around us, all the supermarkets and all the restaurants, everybody is struggling in this corona craze, but we should be receptive and helpful to those around us. You know, we might not have a lot of money, but there's so many people out there that have much less money than us. So my wife and I feel like we should try to support the restaurants around us, try to support the supermarkets around us. And if people are coming to us because they need the money, let's help them. Money comes and goes, but helping others doing mitzvahs, that's what really stays. Money is so fluid. One day you could have thousands of dollars, the day next day you could have nothing. But if you do the mitzvahs, you do the hakar satov, you're grateful, you help out others, especially when they're down and out in our day and age, when it's difficult for almost everybody, that's what we can learn about. And we tell our kids, oh, Mr. Amazon's coming, it's difficult for him, but he's coming a few days late, you know, but he's still coming. Mr. Ghani is coming, Mr. Lollipop, Mr. Oma's, whatever the restaurant's name is, whatever the supermarket's come, all the other errands coming. My son said to me the other day, yeah, errands, the supermarket's coming to bring the food for us. And we should be grateful that they could actually do that because a lot of supermarkets are not. We're trying to quarantine in. We're trying to stay in and people bring to us. We should be grateful that they are doing this. But where does this value come from? Where does this idea of Hakar Satov come about? How do we know that it's such a fundamental core value to the Jewish people? So we're going to look at some sources together. In the interest of time, we try to do it in about an hour or so. Let's look at why it's so, so, so important. And we also bring in a, right away a source not from the Jewish people. We talked about it on my OT show today. Gratitude is really a fundamental concept that even society picks up on, and it really has wonder, wonderful, wonderful benefits. Look at what Melinda Beck says here, Lahavdil, from the Wall Street Journal. Adults who feel grateful have more energy, more optimism, more social connections, and more happiness than those who do not. According to studies conducted over the past decade, they're also less likely to be depressed, less likely to be envious, less likely to be greedy, and less likely to be alcoholics. So in the common stage, the common era, with the corona craze, What we could do to fight the Corona Blues, as Psychology Today also pointed out on their website, is to have the gratitude, is to have the gratefulness, to recognize what we have around us and be appreciative for what we have around us, our our families, our spouses, our children, for those of us who are working remotely, our jobs, and thank God for those of us who have housing, those of us who have cars, and those of us who have all these amazing inventions. I always say, if this happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, it would be much 
much worse. They didn't have modern plumbing. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have phones. They didn't have Zoom or Google Meet. It would have been extra devastating. People really would have felt totally at a loss and really would have went out of their minds even more so. But we have these things. Hashem knows what He's doing. He does the refuah before the mock and He brings these wonderful things to us so that we could be involved in. So we, if we have a positive spin on things, that's a way to beat the blues and to understand and appreciate what we have. I worked in many schools who a lot of the students really have nothing. They don't even have housing. They would live in shelters. They would live in transitional housing. Can you imagine in this kind of a craze what kind of an existence that would be to live in a house that's not their own and they cannot be alone? A shelter and supported housing by definition does not have one family to the whole building. There are hundreds of families in the structures, all in transitional or sheltered, and they I don't know how they do it in the corona craze, but it's much, much worse for them than for any of us out there. So just to put things in perspective is a good thing to know about as well. Rabbi Friend on Torah.org also explains how if we look at a certain aspect, it makes sense. We're going to talk about Moldim a little later, but when we look at the Avud Raham, he says, when you think about the Chaz and he says Modim, there's such a thing as the Rabbi's Modim. Why can't the Shliach Sibur, why can't the Chaz, and why can't the person leading the prayers have us in mind? Why do we have to say the Rabbi's Modim? Why can't he keep us in mind? Why can't he be Yodse for us, fulfill it for us? So many other things we could be Yodse in Shemona Esrei, for Borei Chaleinu, for Rifa'enu, so forth, so on and so forth. We have the Shliach Sibur do it for us. But the one thing he cannot say for us is modim. Because when we say thank you, that is something that has to come from ourselves. Hoda'a, gratitude, thankfulness, and being appreciative only can come from us. No one else can say it for us. An agent can't say it for us. Can you imagine if someone said, can you go tell Shirley that I thank her so much for the present? How how rude is that? You know, Shirley gives you a present of beautiful uh, flowers for Shabbos on behalf of your home, and you send someone else to tell Shirley that you're thankful? You can't do it through someone else. It has to be through you. And we'll talk about a little further how it should be done from you also. I also recently found this amazing website, Ornava. They do great initiatives. And they have this Hakar Tov initiative, especially in the car- Corona craze. It might seem like a harsh quote, but it's a way to shift our mind. A person can have lost their home, but the family is healthy. We should never know from such things, but giving a perspective. A person can misplace their car keys, but they own the car. Shifting the perspective, shifting the focus, shifting how we look and think about things. Your children are exhausting. Boy, are my children exhausting. Our children are so exhausting. It's on survival mode almost every day. What is it, 6.30? What is it bedtime? Is it 6.30 yet? Can we put them in 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, maybe too early? I don't know. 6.30, it's only 20 minutes away. We can make it. Your children can be exhausting. Your children can be difficult. But thank God you have the children. Tsar, Gidel, Banim, and Banos. Thank God you have the Tsar. That's a good type of Tsar. We should never know from other types of Tsar. You shift the focus. We join the movement. We reap the benefits. So this comes from Ornava, their Hakara Satov Initiative. They also promote a book called A Lesson a Day, A Gratitude Lesson a Day in Hakara Satov. Thinking about how you could look every day for the gratefulness, for the gratitude every day to see what's out there. And when it starts right away, we could look right into Devarim and an idea how we could think about what people do for us, how we could be grateful. 
We're commanded through the mouth of Moshe in his final days, in his last 30 plus days, when he's going around, he's talking to the Bnei Israel, and then he gives the blessings and the curses, and he talks about, towards the end of his life, Do not antagonize, do not provoke the Edomite. He's your brother. Esav is our brother. That's the person we should have such brotherly love. If all brothers were like that, everyone would be, would be enemies. But still, he's your brother. Lo sisaiv mitzri. Do not provoke or antagonize the mitzri. The Egyptian kiger hayisa be'artso. He was the one that hosted you. You were a stranger in his land. We come to that a lot of times in the Torah. It reminds us often, Hashem reminds us often that we were a stranger. We were not in our own land. Is that really someone that we should be appreciative to? But Rashi picks up and says yes, because Mikol Vakol in any case, Afa Pisha Zarku even though they threw the babies into the river, they did pure and blatant infanticide, trying to kill all the male babies, we still have to be Hakarasatov towards them. Matam, what's the reason? Because they gave you guest lodging. They were your host at a time of difficulty. Can you imagine it boggles the mind? That's really not a great host that anyone should ever want to have. And still, we have to be appreciative. We still have to be thankful to them. They gave us food and they gave us lodging. They let us set up camp for those 200 plus years. So we have to be grateful crazy how far the extent goes. The magnitude of gratitude goes very far, as we'll see throughout our sources. And then in Bamidbar, you know, it says that Hashem commands Moshe, Nikom Nikmas go take revenge against the Midianites. The Midianites were not a wonderful nation. The Midianites and Moabites were enemies. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So for the sake of destroying the Jews, Lo'olenu, they made peace. Bala calls in Bilam, the evil prophet, Sort of that the non-Jews could say they had a prophet just like Moshe, Lahavdu, Lahavdu, and he's hired to curse the Jews, doesn't work. But he gives them terrible advice at the end that they should bring out the princesses of Midian, and then idolatry was involved, the whole situation, and they needed to be having revenge against them. So Hashem says, you got to take revenge against them, Moshe. Afterwards, you'll be gathered to your people. An interesting note, Moshe is told this is the last physical action you're going to do before dying. Anybody would, it would be not against the grain to think, you know, maybe I'll delay it a little bit. I'll shuffle my feet a little bit. This is the last thing I'm going to do. It's contingent on this before I pass away. After 120 years, maybe I'll take my time. I'll go slow. Moshe does not do that. He goes as fast as he can to arrange it because even though he knows this is the last thing he's going to do, he's still going to do it. Also keeping in the Moshe ideology, he also set aside Ari Miklat. Even though the six cities of refuge, if someone, God forbid, unintentionally kills, they run away to Gullis. Three of them are outside Israel, three are inside Israel proper. He also set those aside, even though it wouldn't take effect till Yehoshua's time, much later, because he didn't want to put aside a mitzvah that could be done later if it could be done now. That's called carpe diem, seizing the day, doing the mitzvahs you can. Anyway, side point. Moshe goes about and decides that he's going to do it anyway, even though he knows this is the last thing. And the Mishraj Tam Chuma, which I think might be the Medrash Tam Chuma also, HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe, go take out the vengeance against the Jews. Ata be'atzmecha, you yourself should lead the charge. V'hu mishaleach But Moshe does not do that. Moshe sends other people to do that. Why would Moshe do that? Why would Moshe send messengers to do the mitzvah, the commandment that Hashem himself got, gave to him? 
Al Sheniskado Mid Midyan because Moshe grew up in Midyan. Pause. If you think about the story of Moshe, we meet Moshe first when he's a baby, then he grows up in Paro's palace. A whole crazy story. His his basically his foster parent, his Paro is picked up because of Bastia. He saves him from the river after, you know, Yocheved watched him there. And he grows up all those years in the palace and then he kills the Mitzri. He's what, maybe 17, 20 or so years old. He's not old, but we don't see him again for like 60 years. He comes back at 80 years old. He says, I'm Shmonim Chana. I'm 80 years old with, with Aaron by his side. Where was he all those years? So the, the Medrash, I believe, and the sages pick up that he made a couple of travels, but the most time, a lot of the time at least, he spent in Midian. He spent by Yisro and Sipora, and then eventually had Gershom and Elazar, and he came back. So he says, Amar, ain't no din shani lahem. I can't be the ones that provoke them. I can't be the ones that, that give trouble to them, that make trouble for them. They did good for me. I have to be mocker told. I have to be appreciative. They held me for all these years. I got married here. I had children here. Hamashal Omer, the parable is the well that you drank from water. Don't send a stone. Don't throw a stone into the well that provided for your needs. If you were in Midian, they took care of you. You can't be the ones that provoked them, or I can't be the ones that provoked them. I drank from the well. I did well in Midian. I was cared for in Midian. I can't be the one that does this. I'm going to have to set it up. Now, we think about the Haggadah, that we just went through the Pesach Haggadah talking about how wonderful it was that Hashem took care of us. There are 15 levels of things that Hashem did, and every single thing Hashem did we detail, because it's not just about saying thank you in general, but thank you in specifics, as we'll elaborate in a little bit. The 15 things, he took us out of Egypt, he gave us the tribes, and he gave us leaders, and he took and he took care of the firstborn, he took care of all the midstream, got rid of them. He gave us the mun. The mun was a fantastic food, it could taste like anything you wanted, anything. And it was absorbed into the body, there was no waste that had to come out, and Hashem made sure of that, so that they wouldn't have to worry about where they're going to take care of their needs in the midbar. And he split the yamsuf for him for them. And some sages say all of the waters in the entire world split just so the Yamsuk could split. And Hashem made it conditional when he made the waters in the creation days that these waters would split for the sake of B'nai Israel. And he brought us through on dry land. He could have made it wet. He could have made it muddy, but he made it extra pleasant. He made sure it was nice and dry. He made sure that it was a nice existence for us walking through the sea while everybody else, all the other Egyptians, were in nasty conditions. The secret turn of he also took care of our needs in it. We were able to have drink and, and fruit in the water, which is mind-boggling. And then he took care of us for 40 years in the Midbar. This is fascinating also. Again, we're going to touch on it a little bit. But in the Midbar, they had shelter. Hashem took care of them. He gave them huts, which is the idea of sukkahs we'll touch on later at the end. He also took care of their clothing. It formed to their size as they grew older. It just literally conformed, according to the Medrash and other sources, to the size of what the person was. And the mun was absorbed. There was a cloud that smoothed out the hills and killed the scorpions, killed the snakes. And there was the ash at night, the fire at night, so they could see. It literally was a miraculous-filled existence that they didn't have to worry about anything. And Hashem also sent them the slav, and he had the water stream that was next to them, pure water right next to them. Fantastical existence. Only when they came into Israel 
that they have to actually work at the land and not have a miraculous filled existence anymore. And then we were given the man, we were given Shabbos, and we were brought before Harsina, the epitome of the whole existence. We were given the Torah, the blueprint for creation. We were brought to Israel, the wonderful Israel, and we were given the base of Migdash. Every single thing Hashem did for us, we have to detail, we have to say, we have to be grateful for. And that goes to our lives also. Everything He gives us, we have to be grateful for, no matter what it is. To bring a more modern example from JC.com, Rabbi Yisrael Levi Gusman was the, the head of Yeshiva Netzach Yisrael, and he would water the bushes in front of the Yeshiva. Because when he was fleeing Vilna all back those times ago, he hid behind some bushes, and he felt a debt of gratitude to them. Whether they're in Vilna, whether in Yushalayim, they took care for them. You know, neither Moshe or Rabbi Gusman credited the water or the bushes with the, choose, the will to, chase, to save them. You know, Moshe didn't do anything to make Midian save him, but Midian took care of him. And we'll see a little later that the water and the ground also took care of him. But they, even though they're inanimate objects, they understand not to destroy or disregard something that once helped you in the past. And that's a base trait of what we need to have. We have to have gratefulness and gratitude towards everything. That's why we, we talk about all the brachas we'll mention in a little bit also. Everything that helps us, everything that's a portion for us, that has to be recognized and that has to be appreciated. But the opposite of Hakaras Atov is Kafoy Tov. That's lacking gratitude. Look at these two examples we have for you here of a lack of gratitude. Right away in the beginning of the creation story, all the way in the beginning of Bereshis, we have Adam and Chava. Adam is literally alone in the entire world. I believe Rashi in the Medrash says that he met every single animal under the sun. He realized none of them could be an Ezer Konegdo. None of them could be a soulmate for him. None of them needed to complete the picture from him. And he named all the animals. Then Hashem puts him to sleep I think it was Arab Shabbos, I believe, and he took a rib from him, and he literally formed a helper from him, the only woman on the entire earth. You can never be 100% more certain than Adam and Chava, than Adam and Chava, because they were the only two people on earth. And yet, after the sin, when he takes from the tree, when she takes from the tree, the first thing he says is not, you know, thank you so much, Hashem, you actually gave me a human to share this existence with. If he didn't have a human... Imagine what kind of existence it would have been him, Lahavda, Lahavda, like Dr. Doolittle, with all the animals, nobody else, no humans. But here, what his response is after he's taken to task for the eating from the tree, Vayomer Ha'adam, the man says, Ha'isha Asher Nasati Imadi, the woman you gave to be with me, He Nasna Limina Eitzvachal, she gave me from the tree and I ate it. It's her fault. Rashi picks up from it and says that she gave to me. Kan Kafar Betova. Here, he was neglecting the good. He was neglecting and was having a lack of gratitude. He didn't appreciate what was given to him. He should have owned up to it and said, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I shouldn't have done that. And that's the epitome of Tshuva is recognizing right away. Also, Lahav Shalom Melech, when he didn't take care of Amalek and Agag got away, also tried to justify it. You can't justify the behavior. You have to immediately say, I'm sorry. If you do something wrong, you got to say it right away. The epitome of saying, I'm sorry, was David. The David and Bathsheba story, he knew right away there was a problem, and he recognized he did a problem, a bad thing, and he said, I'm sorry, you're right. And I have to figure out how to atone for this. I have to figure out what to do. So here, we have a basic lack of gratitude in this story. And also, if you think about Shemos, right after the Vayachi, literally after Yosef literally single-handedly saved the entire world, especially in Mitzrayim, 
It says, How is it possible that a new king came about that did not know Yosef? Would anyone ever say that they never knew all these famous generals, these famous people throughout history, even if it's a few years later? Dafka, if it's a few years later, of course it's going to be on the edge of your mind. If people spoke about Yosef for years when he was in prison until the butcher and the chamberlain were sent into prison so that their minds could be shifted, as the sages explained, because Yosef was always the talk in the town, how much more so Yosef must have been on everyone's mind. So it must be something else. Even if it was a new king, he would have known Yosef. And if it was the same king, he chose not to remember Yosef. Rashi picks up that he chose to forget Yosef. He didn't appreciate or recognize what Yosef did. Which brings us to another point. This is the problem with the what have you done for me now? What have you done for me lately syndrome? It's basically a short-term memory versus a long-term memory appreciation loss, as I'd like to call it. What have you done for me now? Why should I appreciate anything? So, you helped me 35 years ago. What have you done for me in the past two years, three years? A very selfish attitude, taking for granted attitude, which we cannot have. And the king of Mitzrayim obviously probably... Probably, not obviously, probably had this. What did he do for me lately? So he's been gone five, ten years. I don't care if he saved the whole mankind. He didn't do anything for me now. I'm going to take care of his descendants and try to get him out of here. Try to eradicate them and, and reduce the problem of the Jews, which is a problem throughout history. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot. And Tolstos and Shabbos explains, when you give a gift to someone else, you should let them know, let them know that you did something for them so they could personally thank you. Because we want it to be, especially if it's a gift given out of love, let the person know you gave it to them. If you just dropped it, on, dropped it off their doorstep, they don't know where it comes. It causes anguish, it causes sorrow, it causes stress. The person can't thank you. The person doesn't know who it came from. And everybody deserves a thanks. Everybody deserves the appreciation and the recognition. We're not saying you should look for the recognition. But at least let them have the chance to thank you for the gift. If you leave it off without any ability to know who it's from, it's very anguishing for the person and they can't thank you. They can't find out who gave it to them. But if it's tzedakah, that's something else. But if it's tzedakah, the Rambam explains there are eight levels of tzedakah. The best is giving someone a job so that they could support themselves. But another level is when it's anonymous to him and he's anonymous to you. He doesn't know who gave it and you don't know who it goes to. Because tzedakah, charity, is a very difficult thing for someone to have to accept money, for someone to have to accept help from someone else. But when we're talking about a gift... That's something that people should know where it comes from, who it came from, so they could actually thank you and appreciate where it came from. And the brachos, there's a couple of brachos gemaras, but this brachos gemara here of Hanina Bar Papa says, if you derive benefit from this world without a blessing, it's like you stole from God and the community of Israel. Because everything Hashem gives you should be appreciated and we should recognize it comes from Hashem. We should understand it comes from Hashem and we should be grateful that it comes from Hashem. If you don't do that, it's almost like you're stealing and not recognizing and being grateful for when and where things came from and how it came about. Rabbi Telushkin points out the idea that we talked about in the beginning. There are people that would not that would not leave a taxi or restaurant without thanking the driver or waitress and leaving a generous tip because these are strangers, people that we recognize they do a different service for us. But unfortunately, there are times when we're stringent, more stringent with grateful words to those who do the most to enhance our lives, our spouses, our family members, and friends. They 
don't they don't get the love and the expression and the gratitude that they really need. So it's a twofold thing. We should thank everyone that helps us, especially the people at home, because the famous phrase Chesed begins in the home. Gratefulness and gratitude begins in the home. We try to think about inculcating within our children, inculcating in those around us the ability to be grateful, have gratitude. It should start at home and definitely should filter out to all the places we go out in society. I also wanted to point out that there's a wonderful Rambam that I want to bring to, to the concept over here. The Rambam explains in Perkei Elvos 3.15, Perkei Elvos is amazing. Let me give a shout out to one of the shows that I do, the Perkei Elvos Learning with Reb T. We do a Mishnah every night. There's such amazing lessons from Perkei Elvos. You could find it in sheer enjoyment under Rabbanim and Reb T. They, there's so many things that could learn from Perkei Elvos. We're in our third season, and it's just fantastic, safer in general. But in this Mishnah, Talking about char- charitable acts, the, the, the Rambam explains how every act we do, especially charitable, and especially, I'm going to bring it to gratitude, really changes the person. If a person has a thousand gold coins and could give a thousand coins to one person or could give a, one coin to a thousand people, you might think the thousand to one person is going to alter his life forever. Give it to that one person. So the Rambam explains that this is a great act. But the one who gives a thousand people a coin, one gold coin, a thousand times, and gives each one out of the generosity, this becomes a repeated act of generosity. A thousand times, and it's a strong acquisition to him, because every act of generosity chips away at the soul and at the neshama, and makes you more generous and more chesed-oriented and more generous. The one repeated act of generosity a thousand times gives you the acquisition of it and gives you the propensity to become a more generous person. So I believe also we can bring this to gratitude. Every single act of gratitude, every single word of gratitude we do leaves a spiritual imprint on us and makes us more grateful and kind people. Every single act of gratitude, every single word spoken of gratitude fine-tunes us into more grateful people by nature. So every time you thank the barista, every time you thank the mailman, every time you say thank you to a family member or to a spouse or to a child, even to children, Allah has come of a comma to children so they could learn about gratitude. Why, thank you so much, son, for bringing me this drink. You did a great mitzvah. And I want to keep doing it again and again. The positive reinforcement also chips away at us and makes us want to do it more and more. And it makes us into more grateful people by nature. And do you know where it officially comes from? The first time is all the way back in Bereshis by the Shvatim. When the Shvatim start coming about, the only person that has this in their Shorish is Yehuda. In Bereshis by Leah, when she gives birth for the fourth time, it says, Vataher od Vatelet Bain. She gave birth again, had another son, Vatomer Ha'apam Oda Es Hashem. This time, I will thank Hashem. Why this time? She already had three children. That's a lot of children already. And she had a fourth child, and now she thanks Hashem. Alkein Karashimo Yehuda, therefore I will call him Yehuda. Vatamo Miletis, and then she stopped giving birth for then. She had more kids after. So then she will praise the Lord. Why then will she praise Hashem and not before? So Rabbi Yochanan, in the name of Shimon ben Yochai, also fascinating people, not for now, they say, he said that from the time that Hashem created the world, Adam 
Hodel HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ad Shabasa Le'a Nobody ever thanked Hashem until Leah came along and said, Shnemar Hapamo Des Hashem. This time, I will give birth, I will give thanks to Hashem, excuse me. Why this time? Rashi picks up on it, Shnatal Yoser Michalki. I took more than my share. Now I should praise God. Every Everyone knew that there were supposed to be 12 Shvatim. And Yaakov was the last link in the chain going from the Avos to the Shvatim. Yaakov married four women, had four wives. Simple math would dictate that each wife would have three children. Three, six, nine, twelve. When Leah got her three children, she was so happy to be part of the Jewish people. But when she had the fourth child... Then she realized she had more than the other shares, and she had more share than what was quote-unquote due to her, and now she had more than the others, and she felt an extra debt of gratitude. So when we have everything in our life, everything given to us should be thanked for, and then if someone goes above and beyond, we should be how much more happy, how much more thankful to Hashem as well. And there's two key examples of also gratitude to inanimate objects straight from Moshe Rabbeinu himself, again, from Shemot Rabbah Tet and Shemot Rabbah Yud. So we're over here. So there are ten makos. The first three makos were not allowed to be done by Moshe. And we'll explain why. We have Dam, which is blood, the river, Tzifardea, again, frogs coming from the river, and Kinim, the lice that comes from the ground, were not done by Moshe, but they were done by Aaron. Because Vayom Hashem Moshe Amoral Aaron. Hashem tells Moshe, you tell Aaron to take care of this Makkah. You tell Aaron to take care of the second Makkah. You tell Aaron to take care of the third Makkah. Rabbi Tanchuma asked, why was the water not hit by Moshe? Why couldn't Moshe do it? The water that was saved, that saved your life, you were placed in the little ark, the little teva on the water. Basi came and, and saved you while Yochevet watched along. That water cannot be hit by you. The water took care of you. The water watched over you and the water cared for you until you were picked up. By your life, you cannot hit this water. Only through Aaron can it be taken care of. The same thing goes for Tzifardea. The water also is producing the frogs. You cannot hit that water which took care of you. Same idea. You can't throw the coin. You can't throw the stone into the water that, that you just drank from. And then Moshe again is told to tell Aaron, Hit the land. But don't do it, Moshe. Aaron has to be the one that hits the land. Amar Rabbi Tanchum. Rabbi Tanchum says again, HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe, Offer Shahagin Alecha Kishaharakta Esa Mitzri. That sand, that ground is the one that hid the Mitzri, that took care of hiding the Mitzri when there was the argument between the, the Jew and the non-Jew, and Moshe was incensed and realized there was an injustice, and he looked this way and that way, so nothing good was coming from the Mitzri, took care of him. Some say by using Hashem's name. So that ground covered him up. Obviously, the, the matter was known because of a rat, an informer, so to speak, that told on Moshe he had to run away. But even so, the, the sand hid the Egyptian. Had other people seen, it would have been even worse. That sand, that water cannot be hit by Moshe. Has to be hit by Aaron. Therefore, Aaron did it. And that's why... It had to be done by Mo, by Aaron. And also the, the congregation Shavit Achim expla- explains that we have to have gratitude even to inanimate objects. Any object, anything that we get benefit from, like water and earth, 
we must show gratitude towards, and how much more so we should show gratitude to our fellow human beings and for any favors they perform for us, anything that they do for us, we have to be appreciative for. So that's why we should take care of all the things we have. Anything given to us by Hashem is as if we're watchmen over it. Hashem basically says, X, Repti, you're going to get X amount of money, and you're going to get X amount of materials. You're going to X a type of house, X type of car. I want you to take care of it. I want you to watch over it. I want you to make sure it doesn't get broken. It doesn't get worn down. I want you to upkeep it, your clothing. I want you to make sure it doesn't get thrown, it doesn't get ripped, and it doesn't get strewn about. We want to show proper respect and proper things. If the clothing can take care of us, if different things can take care of us, so too, we should be able to, to realize that and appreciate that. And interestingly, also, I don't have the source here, but at the end of days of David's life, he was very, 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 very cold. And they had to find a young person to come and stand near him and to warm him up because the clothing that he tried to put on, I'm sure they gave him hundreds of layers. He was the king of the entire Israel, but he couldn't get warmed up. Some say the reason why he couldn't get warmed was because many moons ago, many years ago, he ripped Shaul HaMelech's garment. You remember Shaul and David had a very complicated, very difficult relationship. Worse than any father-in-law or son-in-law joke or any mother-in-law or any son-in-law joke you'll ever hear on the entire face of any world. Shaul wanted to kill, literally kill his son-in-law for the entire time that they knew each other, starting with his marriage to his daughter Michal and moving on. And he chased him. He had a spirit of melancholia. Some say it was depression. He was trying to kill David many times and David showed Shaul a couple of times that he could have easily killed him. One time he ripped the tunic and he like tore off a piece of the cloth when Shaul was hiding in a cave. And for that, the sages say David is taken to task that he didn't show respect for the cloth. He didn't show respect for the clothing. So Mida connected Mida. He didn't show respect for the clothing. The clothing didn't do their job and didn't take care of him at the end of the days. It didn't make him warm. He was cold and he had to find some random young girl to help him feel a little warm. So we have to show respect to everything we own, especially clothing. Treat it with respect. Treat it with the proper amount of kavod. And then again, Moshe, another wonderful example of the proper amount of gratitude. Before Moshe goes back to Mitzrayim, backtracking a little bit, he goes to Yisro. Why does he go to Yisro? He knows Yisro permission. He's going to be the ruler, like a king of the whole Jewish people. 600,000 men, roughly 3 million people by some estimations, including women and children. And he goes to Yisro to ask permission? Let me go, he asks. I will go back to my people. They're suffering in Mitzrayim, and let me see if they're okay. Yisra says to him, go in peace. Why in the world is Moshe asking Yisra his permission? Why does Moshe need to ask him? So Moshe says, after Hashem tells him to go back to the people, go back to Paro, I can't leave. Yisra welcomed me and brought me into his home. Like we talked about before, I can't antagonize the Midianites. They brought me here for years. But I literally went to Yisra's house. He brought me into his home. I'm like a son to him. He gave me his daughter and he let me stay here and lodge here because if one opens his door to his friend, the friend owes him in return. Yisra welcomed me. He treated me well. He gave me kindness and he took care of me for all these years. I cannot leave without his permission. Therefore, Moshe went, returned to Yisra's father-in-law, and that's an idea in family relations, getting permission and talking about different things among other people. If you make a decision, always consult your spouse and try to always include everyone in your decisions if it will affect them. So Moshe went back to Midian, made sure to get the proper uh, send-off from Yisra because Yisra took care of him all those years. He wanted to make sure that he had the proper gratitude, the proper Hakar Satov to Yisra. And then when it comes to different situations... 
There's a very famous Gemara of four different types of people everyone has to be thankful. We say many brachos, we'll look at it in a minute. But these four people have to be thankful for what happened to them. Somebody that went to the sea, somebody that walks through the midbar, somebody that was sick and was healed, and somebody that was locked away in prison. All these people have to thank God for the acts of loving kindness. Everything Hashem does is loving kindness. Everything He does is for the good. That famous phrase we'll bring about in a minute also. But just four situations. Every situation has a different blessing. But when we think about supernatural situations or super crazy situations, we also have to be thanked. Not even the little things, but everything. Even the big things also. And He says He will bestow acts of loving kindness. This, in Melacham Aleph, is one of my favorite phrases, favorite psukim here in the whole lecture, here in the whole shir. It actually comes from my Haftorah, from Vayechi. Vayechi talks about Yaakov giving over his charge, giving over his blessings, and the role that each shaver will take in the Bnei Yisrael. Every person has a distinct personality. Every person has a distinct midah, a distinct trait. And a Shimon is not like a Binyamin. A Binyamin is not like a Zavulan. A Zavulan is not like a Ruvain. Each person has a unique skill, their unique set, the unique type of ability, and they have to each use it. It's like spokes of a wheel. Every part of a wheel has somebody that has to contribute. And after Yaakov gives his charge, David and Malach also, the end of his days, he gives a very seemingly strange charge to Shlomo Malach. He says a couple of things. He says, I want you to take care of Shimi ben Gera. Not a great character. He cursed David. And he tried to, to basically put him down. You have to take care of Yoav, who spilled a lot of blood. He was a very strong general. And you have to take care of so-and-so and so-and-so. But the key passage we're looking at is, To the children of this guy, Barzilai, Do chesed with him. Let him eat at your table. The royal table, the king's table. Barzilai should sit at Shlomo's table. Who's Barzilai? He came because he came close to me. He supported me. He took care of me. When I was running, can you imagine the story? David Melch is this archetype, this epitome type of a ruler, a king. His own son rebels, instigates this entire rebellion. David basically runs into exile, leaves all these these ladies behind in his palace, and Avshalom, you know, is not so nice in the palace and with the ladies there, and he's literally running around from Avshalom, and a lot of people desert him, a lot of people go to Avshalom, but Barzidlai stood by him, stood fast to him, he knew that David was the real rightful king, and David had the proper gratitude, the proper respect to what he did for him, he had the proper Akarasatov, take care of Barzidlai, because he took care of me. I want you to actually put him at your table. Show him honor. Show him deference. Show him that I really appreciated what he did. He took care of me. I'm going to take care of him so much more so. I want his children. I want his family to be at my table. And even when we start our day, the way we start our day really sets the tone for the rest of the day. If you ever woke up grouchy, you realize that grouchiness is infectious, unfortunately. The whole family could be grouchy. Not just you. Then it'll affect the wife. It'll affect the kids. But if you wake up, like the Shulchan Aruch explains, you should gibor ka'ari la'asosbore, la'asosa, the, I forget the terminage exactly, but you're supposed to wake up like an, a lion, excuse me, jump out of bed to do the will of your Father in Heaven. And if you wake up in a grateful manner, a happy manner, and you start with the words Moda'ani on your lips, you start with a grateful attitude, the whole day can be shrouded and can be shined through to have the idea of gratefulness. 
I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful to Hashem, you're giving my soul back. It's not a guarantee Hashem's going to give us our soul every day. He gives it to us, He entrusts it to us, He hopes we make the right decisions with it, He hopes we do good things with it, and He hopes we accomplish great things. He gave me back my neshama, such a grateful thing, such a wonderful thing that you did for me, Hashem. We should start our day being thankful with gratitude on our lips. And we shouldn't be kafoy tova, we should be happy and respectful to everyone who comes to help us. If someone opens the door, we say thank you. As the Orchot Chaim Rush explained, we should train our children to say thank you or a different gesture that that acknowledges what a person did for you. That's why the first thing we do is Mod'ani, thanking Hashem. Because Akar Satov is fundamental to Torah with Derech Eretz. And this is a great quote here. We're going to shout out Daily Dose of Divinity. Rav Nachman of Breslov, Eliezer G. This quote is for you. Gratitude rejoices with her sister Joy and is always ready to light a candle and have a party. Gratitude does not much like the old cronies of boredom, despair, and taking life for granted. So we got to be gratitude. Gratitude is synonymous with joy and being happy. Gratitude and grantedness are opposites, are mortal enemies. But look how close these two words are. Look at look at this with me. Granted and gratitude have the first three letters that are together. Cross them out. Take out the G-R-A. They also share a T and an E. Take it out. But what you're left, and they also share a D. So what you're left with is N-I-T-U. This is not a gamacha, but this is something I thought of. How do you sound out the letters N-I-T-U? If you say it slowly, N-I to you, we're basically saying and I to you. A selfish attitude. And I to you? What should I do for you? What did you do for me? What should I care you did for me? Why should I help you? Why should I thank you? I to you? What connection do we have? When you take things for granted, you feel that you are owed things and you deserve things. But having gratitude is taking the selfishness, taking the NITU out of yourself, taking the NITU out of our own attitudes, taking the NITU personality and persona, taking it away and appreciating others for what they have. When you take out the NITU from gratitude, you're left from grantedness, when you take that out and you switch it over, you're left with gratitude, appreciating what others do for us, not what we selfishly need from others or what we selfishly do for others, but thanking others for what they do for us. Don't be grantedness. Don't have the grantedness syndrome. Have the gratitude complex of always being grateful. Not NITU, but being gratitudous. The chief aim, as the guide for the Pax Mora Nebuchadnezzar explains, we have to be like Hashem. Hashem is gracious, Hashem is, is taking care of everything, Hashem is merciful and compassionate, and Hashem makes sure that everything is taken care of, and Hashem makes sure to recognize all the things on the earth and to find His Shaluchim on earth, so too we should be gracious, we should be compassionate, we should be grateful. And think about what Ben Zoma would say. Adam had a tremendous amount of work. He had to toil the land and do so much work until a seed came forth, until flower came forth. Adam had to make sure to toil in the garments and to sew all the garments until they actually came and became an actual garment. And the Gemara is talking about me. I come here and I have all these things before me. The Gemara was hundreds of hundreds of years ago. Nowadays, we go to the supermarket, we go and we pick up a piece of bread. Do we realize how much work went into that bread? How many people had to work to make that bread? Where did the clothing come from? You go to Old Navy, you pick up a shirt, you click on Amazon, three clicks, and you have your clothing in your house in two days, nowadays a week. Who made the clothing? Where did the clothing come from? Who made your food? Where does the food come from? Do we ever think how much people worked so you could have this 
in your store? Was there ever such a thing? One click, you could even buy things also. Was there ever such a thing in history? We have to be full of gratefulness that today's society is such a plentiful society, an instantaneous society. Things are at our fingertips at a click. Connecting with hundreds of people on the internet, connecting with people on Meet, Google Meet and Zoom, the click of a button, what crazy technology. That's why a good guest, what would he say? When he's at the meal, how much effort the host did for me? What did he bring before me? He gave me wine, he gave me loaves, he gave me food, all this effort he did just for me. What do you think a bad guest says? Literally the opposite. What did this host do for me? He did it for my for himself. He did it for his wife, his kids. His wife and kids have to eat anyway, right? What did he do for me? It wasn't for me. That's the wrong approach. You have to think that everything a person does for you should be thanked. And this is the key point I'm going to highlight here. One of the many points I really want us to hone into ourselves. It's not just about saying thank you and being full of gratitude, which is a wonderful starting point, but we have to be specific in what we thank for and detail each item we are thankful for. That's why we have hundreds of brachos in our life we'll talk about. And we want to know that there's a big difference in saying, thank you so much for everything you did for me. That is a super vague term and could be open to interpretation. What did the person do for you? If we make a meal for someone else and they thank us for every single aspect of the meal, that thank you is so much more powerful than if they just say thank you. Thank you, of course, is amazing and a wonderful thing, but there is a higher level. We should be din. We should go above and beyond and be specific in our thank yous. Thank you for X, Y, and Z. Thank you for the meat. Thank you for the dishes. Thank you for the drink. Thank you for the dessert. You were so thoughtful in what you made for me for my meal now that I just had a baby. Not me. Now that my wife just had a baby. You know, that you really thought of everything. We have to be specific. Think about it this way also. When the rain comes all the time, we don't think about it. But if it's lacking... Ah, then we welcome it. And then we're like, oh my gosh, this rain is amazing. That's also the idea of taking things for granted. We have to be the opposite. When things are biased, when things are next to us, people used to tell me in yeshiva, I don't go to the kotel so often because it's five feet away. You know, it's always there. I'll go whenever. That's taking things for granted. God forbid people also take their, their spouses and their children for granted until they have a big fight or until something happens, God forbid, and they're at odds. And then they realize, wow, this is... I really should have been more appreciative. People take our own limbs for granted, our own fingers for granted until they stub it, until they hurt it. Why should we wait till something, God forbid, bad happens? We should never have bad things. We should never open our mouths to bad things or the satan. But we should always realize that we shouldn't take for granted. Everything is special. Rain, living next to a supermarket, living next to the shul, a holy site, living with your spouse, your kids. Don't take it for granted. It's special. Thank you. Thanks for all the little things and list each of them. And we should know that Hashem sends people to give us things for a specific reason. We should thank Hashem for the people and thank Hashem for the people who send it to us. Just like if someone gives you wine, we're appreciative of the vineyards and the vintners, the people that make the wine, but also to the person who pours the wine. We have to recognize the giver and realize that they were the conduit to give the wine itself. And the whole idea of recognizing and appreciation comes from in Mitzrayim. Hashem took us out of slavery and He took us out. He gave us the commandments. He gave us a life that we're indebted forever. He gave us the commandments because the whole idea of Egypt, the whole idea of Exodus from Egypt is the foundation of appreciation. Thank you Hashem for making us into a nation. Dayenu goes through the 15 levels. You make us into a nation. You brought us into the desert. You brought us to Israel and He did so much for us. That's the basis of all life is appreciation. And we have to realize all the chesed that Hashem does for us and cleave to Him. And we have to realize and recognize the good that everything does. If we don't recognize it, it's such a wasted thing. We have to understand it. Even when all the carbons come up in the future, we should be zochah to have the base of Migdash speedily in our days. 
But the one thing that won't be bottle is the carbon toda, the carbon, the sacrifice of thanks. All the other ones could be bottle, even tefillas could be bottle. But what doesn't get bottle? Hoda ain't betela. Hoda does not get bottle. That's why one of the key phrases in davening is modim. The modim talks about how Hashem is our eternal rock. He takes care of us. He has a loving hand. We are his. Basically, he is our custodian. He gives us our life. He gives us wonders and miracles. That's why nobody could be Yotzi with us. And you think about all the brachos. Every bracha has a purpose, starting with when we wake up. And we, we, we think about how Hashem wraps us in the mitzvahs of the talus and He gives us understanding the 613 mitzvahs of the tzitzes and we have the crown of splendor of the tefillin. We're able to learn Torah, which is the blueprint of creation. And we think about our hands and the, the bathroom. We're going to look at the bathroom bracha in, in one second. It's a fantastic bracha. He chose us. He gave us days and night. Can you imagine if there was no day and night and the quarantine would be an endless null, null thing? I think there's Alaska or there's a place out there that has very, very long days and not even so much nighttime. It would be a hard existence. The fact that we're Jews, the fact that we're being made to man or woman, the fact that we have our sight and clothing and that we're not bent, we're not bound down, we have the earth, we're given all our needs, we can walk, we have strength, we have splendor, and we're awake. These are wonderful things to be thankful for. When we say the brachos, we should have extra kavana in these things, and there are brachos for everything. Even the supernatural occurrences, which are just God using quote-unquote, more strength to bring our attention more to light, about lightning and thunder, rainbows, strange things, the trees blooming. How fascinating is it a seed becomes a plant, becomes a vegetable or a fruit? Seeing the trees blossom in the spring is beautiful. Seeing a Torah scholar or lots of Jews or if a life saved, God forbid, a destroyed shul or a terrible thing happens, a happy thing happens, there's a bracha for everything because we have to be gratitude and we have to thank Hashem for everything that happens in our life. You know the whole idea of Avram and Avimelech? When Avram's wife Sarah was taken by Avimelech, Hashem punished Avimelech and his servants that their, all their openings were closed. Nobody could have children. Nobody could go to the bathroom. A very terrible existence. Do you know, if we didn't go to the bathroom, the toxins in our system would kill us in hours, especially number one or number two. Either way, it would really kill us. So it's really important to understand the bracha, how, how fascinating Hashem made all of the creations in us, all the systems in us. He's so wise and figured out how to excrete the poison from our bodies and how to make sure that we have the proper ways. When we say this bracha, we should have it in mind a little bit, a little more. When you see a lot of people, it's a beautiful thing. At the Siyam Ashas, there were 90,000 Jews together doing a beautiful mission of finishing Dafiyomi. What a beautiful occurrence. There's a bracha for that too because we're grateful that the whole Klai Yisrael, not all of it, but a lot of Klai Yisrael came together to do such a beautiful thing. And there are different brachos, the brachos that are on religious things, the brachos on hodah and the brachos on enjoyment, because everything we do really comes back to the fact that Hashem did it for us and that we have to appreciate and be gra- be grateful to Hashem that we have it. If there wasn't gratefulness in the world, if there wasn't gratitude in the world, the perplexity of the generation explains this, the spirit of man will be left without sparkle or shine. If there wasn't gratefulness, if people didn't say thank you, people didn't say please, the world would seem a very dull place and that can't be what it is. We have to have a more beautiful place. We should say a hundred brachos every day to understand how much gratefulness we have to give to Hashem. David Amalch was also involved in that. I think he instituted it because the Pasuk uses Ma Hashem which is translated loosely to Me'ah Hashem. We have to understand, we have to say blessings all day. We're almost coming to our time. We're almost done. We're going to go through the sources, try to keep it around an hour if that's okay with everybody. In Perkei Avos, my favorite, my favorite Sefer, again, we have the show, and 4-1 is one of my favorite missions. Ben Zama talks about 
to be wise, to be strong, to be rich. Who is a really rich person? Someone who rejoices in his lot. If a person is appreciative and grateful for all that we already have, he will be happy and content. Society has this problem that they need us to feel like we have to keep up with the Joneses. We have to keep up with those around us. We have to have a bigger house, a bigger car. But there's been a study that people have figured out around America that really people only need X amount of space. You know, you only need, let's say... 1,300 space of of, of a house if you have X amount of children. People have these crazy amount of houses and they end up only using the same three areas as a person that has an apartment. They use the living room, they use the dining room, the kitchen, and the bedroom. So why do we waste so much space? We have to be content with what we have. Hashem gives you exactly what you need. The exact house you need, the exact car you need. The exact spouse, exact amount of children, exact job. Everything you're given is exactly from Hashem. He knows what you need. We should be thankful and appreciative for that. When we eat, every time we eat, we say a bracha before and after. We should be satisfied and grateful to Hashem. We shouldn't eat like gluttons. The Rambam says we should eat to satiation and not more. Even Eof recognized he had a terrible life. He was challenged and took away a lot from his life. And his two friends tried to comfort him. He couldn't be comforted. But even he realized that he leaves with nothing, came with nothing, but Hashem is still blessed. Hashem knows what he's doing. I'm still appreciative from Hashem. The famous quote we talked about from last time. Rav Huna said, in the name of Rav Meir, said in Rabbi Kiva's name, everything Hashem does is for the best. If he realizes it's for the best, we could be appreciative for everything he gives us, everything he sends to us. The Shabbos itself is a wonderful period of rest. I read on a website recently that people want to take the idea of Sabbath from the Jews and actually apply it to the Quran. On a craze. We we can't work, we can't get out, we could just appreciate the fact that we could sit, read, pray, eat, and be merry because we were slaves once and we didn't have any of these things, and Hashem led us to do it. And we thank Hashem and praise Him for everything He gave to us. We want to make sure to realize that we have to praise Hashem and thank Him for everything. David Amelch, again, a fascinating figure, a ton of troubles in his life, a ton of stress, but his key phrase in Tehillim Kav Zayim, Hodula Hashem Kitov. Praise Hashem, He is good, His steadfast love is eternal. He had so many reasons to doubt Hashem, but He didn't. And He said that this is a key phrase, it's in our halam, and it's throughout davening. We are so thankful to Hashem, appreciative to Hashem for everything He did, and we have to put it into our lives. And just the last two things I want to point out. 40 years in the desert was a miraculous existence. We were clothing was given to us, as I mentioned, food, safety, and huts. Sukkahs, we literally were given huts. In the desert for a period of 40 years, we didn't own the land. We weren't in a cultivated part of the land. We should remember we have so much reason to be grateful to Hashem that He gave us the present wealth and comfort. We had nothing, and now we're given everything. We have the existence. We have our life. We have our homes. We have our cars. Hashem makes sure to take care of everything we need. Just the idea of sukkahs allows us to realize that we're blessed so much. And throughout throughout Tanakh, there are only 10 so- songs Excuse me, throughout Tanakh, where it's a, it's a song about a, a super cladomistic event. But really, we should be singing to Hashem every day. We should be grateful to Hashem every day. We say the Shio Shalom every day, and we should say our brachos with a little more kavanam, and we should say thank you about each and everything. But throughout Tanakh, there are ten songs. One was sung by Adam on creation. Another was sung at the Shirat Yamsuf, when even a maidservant saw more than Yechazka and Babuzi, a great prophet. Then there was a song at the well, when they heard a miracle, Hashem took care of the Amorites and made two mountains come together and crush them so the Jews wouldn't be held, wouldn't be hurt, and they saw the blood flowing. 
So they sang a song for that. Then there was a song at Hazina when Moshe goes through history in the future about how Hashem has a whole way of, of going about the world. There's a Shira Segevon where Yoshua in Sefer Yoshua made the sun stand still to enable to wage the wars to take over the Israel to apportion it. And then there was a song of Devorah and Barak, really Devorah, when they would make sure to take care of Canaan. They took care of Sisera, the very famous general, the mother who cried a hundred times, and that's the hundred blasts to counteract that. And Yahu took care of him. Then there's the Shirt Chana, because she was so appreciative of having Shmuel, who was a great, great, great prophet in and of his own right. Then there's the song about David, in which she talks about recounting the state of his survival and his existence through his very difficult career. And then, of course, this Shir Hashirim talking about the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people. And God willing, soon we should be Zolcha to see the Mashiach and sing that song hopefully soon. So what we should remember and think about is to be grateful as much as possible. We want to understand, we want to realize that if we could do little acts of gratitude, teach our kids to have gratitude, not to have the what have you done for me re- recently idea that we could understand and teach the children that that when we have gratitude in our life, life is really good and we should understand and show it through action, not through words. And we want to understand that we have everything we already need and to be grateful for everything we have. And we want to make sure to, to say all the brachos throughout the day. We want to make sure that the appreciation is the basis of our life, that we shouldn't take things for granted, we shouldn't be used to things, and we should be specific in our thank you, and we should not fall prey to the grantedness philosophy, but to the gratitude philosophy, and we want to make sure to have all these things in our life, and if we do so, and even show appreciation to things that are not animate, and we, the more we do, the more we will make ourselves into more grateful people, in that way, hopefully we will never have kafoitov, and we will be only having the hakarasatov, and to change our mindset, and to have all of us live in such a mindset, in such a way we could bring Mashiach speedily in our days join us Amen. next time thank you to everyone for joining us join us next time god willing we're going to do it bi-weekly Neder, and two mondays from now same time a different topic hope to see you all there thank you so much for joining have a wonderful night here from reb t